I'm Jared Root with Red Eagle Ranch in Argyle, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's time once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it is time for a new farm bill. That's right, the 2023 farm bill will be due in just a year. So the time to start working on it is right now. We checked in with Texas Congressman Mike Cloud. He sits on the House Agriculture Committee, and he told us that there doesn't seem to be a lot of priority being put on the new farm bill right now on the House Ag Committee, but there is some work being done. So we'll check in with him and have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In agriculture, we often hear about beneficial insects helping out with pest control. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll get some thoughts on buying beneficials. $2 billion invested worldwide for agricultural research and development. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Lack of moisture continues to be a concern in Central Texas. This is Dr. Shay McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. With the current farm bill expiring next year, it's time for work to begin on a new one. But Texas Congressman Mike Cloud, who sits on the House Agriculture Committee, says he doesn't see much priority being put on starting that process. I do not see a push on the farm bill from the leadership in the committee. I, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but I, I don't know if it's because, you know, we're seeing a number of resignations from the Democratic Party. And I, I don't know if it's because they're not expecting to be in leadership next term and therefore are not putting forth the effort into the farm bill and instead are working on priorities that they feel that they can push through or highlight. But that doesn't mean work isn't being done. Cloud says the ranking Republican on the committee, G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania, is putting together some unofficial working groups to begin working on the bill. Work is starting to be done on it, kind of in an unofficial capacity, but uh, I can assure you that that is definitely on the minds, um, certainly of the minority in the committee, at least. Texas Congressman Mike Cloud. Sign up is now underway for the ARC and PLC programs. U.S. farmers have until March 15th to make or change Farm Bill Safety Net Program elections for the 2022 crop year. To help farmers make the best decision for their farm, the Agricultural and Food Policy Center at Texas A&M University has an updated ARC PLC decision aid on their website, afpc.tamu.edu. That is AFP. 
tcpc.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Sandburrs can be a big problem in Texas pastures and hayfields, and they're not easy to control, but it can be done. Case Medlin is a regional stewardship manager for Bayer Range and Pasture. He's based in Paradise, Texas, outside of Fort Worth. He says sandburrs will start germinating here in Texas next month, so producers should start controlling them right now. And one of the first things producers should do to prevent sandburrs is to get a soil test and follow those recommendations. So we got to have a good, healthy crop, and that means good fertility, and uh, that's the starting point that we come from. Next, we're going to see a Resilon application that goes out from January 15th up to Valentine's Day. There's about a month period in there that we need to get the first application of Resilon on, and that's going to carry us into the the mid-growing season, uh, one or two cuttings of hay, depending on where you're located in the state. Then you should follow up by scouting your fields for perennial sandburrs that may have germinated after the Resilon application and treat those with a post-emergent herbicide. Then what's left is a follow-up application, uh, say in June, after a hay harvest of a second application of Resilon. This is not an easy, easy war to wage, but you can win. Case Medlin with Bayer Range and Pasture in Paradise, Texas. In agriculture, we often hear about beneficial insects helping with pest control. James Hunt tells us Texas High Plains farmers may want to consider buying some beneficial bugs. Blaine Reed is the integrated pest management agent for Texas A&M AgriLife in Hale and Swisher counties, and he tells me that it took a few years, but it appears that nature has been finding its balance in response to the sugarcane aphids visits to our region. And now beneficial insects like ladybugs and green lacewings are helping sorghum farmers out by going after the aphid. That's good to hear. But sorghum is just one example of a crop where beneficial insects gradually come along to assist with pest control. I asked Blaine Reed, what about farmers going out and buying beneficials? I think we need to manage what's in the field, and I think we're doing a much better job of that. I am in favor of buying them if that's an option. We've uh, looked at that economically, and you really it's, it needs to be more preventative. So it's uh, investing possibly pretty close to the amount of a treatment uh, without a pest actually being there. I think we go a lot farther if we manage the beneficials that naturally come around to us. Uh, I think we can, can manage that. You know, things like a ladybug, when they're disturbed, they'll fly away. So your neighbors really thank you for releasing adult ladybugs. <laughs> there's a lot in that releasing the timing and things like that. So I'm not against it. But uh, you are investing a lot of money that can equal a a treatment cost. I think managing what we have there through the rotation and say you have another pest outbreak, choosing an insecticidal spray that uh, will save those beneficials or uh, crop rotation systems that won't destroy beneficial habitats. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Investment in research and innovation is key to improving American agriculture. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look. My guest today is John Chambers. He is with Bear Crop Science. He is market development lead for North America. And uh, John joins us from the St. Louis area. And uh, John, 
Bear Crop Science worldwide have invested $2 billion, that's billion with a B, in uh, research and development. Uh, that's certainly a wide scope to tell us what, uh, what the future holds there. Yeah, thank you for having me, Tom. Um, we are really excited about the future of agriculture. Our investment, you know, our our vision for the company is to shape agriculture to benefit farmers, consumers, and the planet. We really believe we're putting our money where our mouth is. We're investing across key pillars of, of breeding and biotech and, and chemistry, crop protection, in data science in order to uh, to deliver on on that vision. Yes, those are your uh, five core platforms for research and development, and certainly uh, those go a long way in covering uh, the crops that uh, you folks manage and chart, uh, being cotton, corn, grain, sorghum, wheat, uh, soybeans, and canola. That is correct. Um, we've got significant breeding efforts in all of those those crops, along with uh, with our vegetable business. And, and uh, that is one of our, our core platforms there for delivering innovation. As we look at this, as population grows, as we have more people moving into the middle class, the demand for, for food is only going to increase going forward. And we believe that innovation is going to be needed to help meet that, meet that demand. That is John Chambers. He is with Bear Crop Science. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A lack of moisture continues to be a concern in central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. For central Texas and honestly for the southern United States, lack of moisture continues to be on everyone's mind. We are very dry for this time of year and haven't received a large runoff top rain event really since the summer. Luckily, in central Texas, we did have some big rainfall events in the early part of the summer that, that are not normal for us. That rainfall was really the last big rains that we, we received. The, typically, we would expect to have some good rains in the fall and winter months. We just haven't seen them. Uh, when we look at our departure from normal rainfall in, in McLennan County, for the last 90 days, we were in a range from negative 2 to negative 8 inches. Small grains are showing some signs of drought stress. And with the limited amount of rainfall that we've received, the early planted wheat notes really looks good, or better than expected. We do have some late planted wheat. that Those fields are really struggling to get a good stand. Most pastures should have a decent stand of cool season forages like a ryegrass for livestock to graze. Those pastures that have them, and they've grazed them down, there's no regrowth, none or just a little bit of regrowth. Uh, timely rain would go a long way for Texas agriculture at the moment. Corn planting in McLennan County typically can occur that first week in February if the weather and environmental conditions are good. But we do not have enough moisture to germinate corn in most of those fields right now. Moisture continues to be the most limiting factor for our area uh, for ag commodities. And right now, we just need a rain. This is Dr. Shai McClellan reporting from Waco for Texas Ag Today. Texans have just a few more days to weigh in on proposed changes to fishing regulations. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up next on Texas Ag Today. And if you bailed drought-stressed forages last fall, that hay may be high in nitrates. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. If you bailed drought-stressed forages last fall, that hay may be high in nitrates. And Dr. Bob Judd says that can be toxic for your cattle. North Dakota State Extension indicates at Drovers.com that these increased levels of nitrates can be toxic, especially to ruminants. Small annual forage, including wheat, barley, and oats, as well as millet, sorghum sudan grass, and standing corn can contain toxic levels of nitrates. Cattle are more susceptible than sheep, but any ruminant is susceptible, and dietary concentration of nitrate above 1,000 parts per million or potassium nitrate levels above 7,200 parts per million can result in nitrate poisoning. If you have forage that was baled or even are considering grazing plants that have been stressed by a drought, you might want to send off samples to the lab to have nitrate levels checked. Dr. Zach Carlson with North Dakota State indicates that if you test your hay and find you have some that is low in nitrates and some that is high, you can mix the hay together to lower the overall nitrate total below a toxic level and still use the hay. Ideally, blending the hay is better, but if you're unable to do this, unroll your low nitrate hay first and let the cattle eat it and then roll out the high nitrate forage. Also, feeding a couple of pounds of grain per animal daily can help reduce the risk of nitrate toxicity. Dr. Jenna Block indicates that slowing down the intake of high nitrate hay is important to decrease risk, so make sure the cattle are not hungry when you introduce the hay. And make sure the hay is not damp before feeding as this can cause nitrate to become nitrite, which is even more toxic. So if you are purchasing hay this winter, testing for nitrates before purchasing may be a good investment. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texans have a few more days to weigh in on proposed changes to fishing regulations. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Texans have just a few more days to respond to proposed changes to spotted sea trout fishing regulations for parts of the Texas coast. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's proposal would reduce the spotted sea trout bag limit to three fish and restrict the allowable size limit to 17 to 23 inches for two years. The department says the goal is to leave more spawning fish in the water for two spawning seasons to help the species recover from losses sustained during winter storm Uri last year. Dacus Giesel, deputy director of coastal fisheries for TPWD, explains. That event led to prolonged freezing temperatures throughout the state and especially on the Gulf Coast that were especially impactful to our marine life. This resulted in a die-off of nearly 4 million fish along the Texas coast. And that estimate is strictly a minimum estimate. We know that our fish kill assessments are an underestimate. Immediately after the freeze, our staff, our team surveyed the coast to assess the extent of the fish kill. While 90% of the fish killed were non-gang, 
game fish, an estimated 160,000 spotted sea trout were lost coastwide. Again, that's a minimum estimate. The majority of those fish came from the Laguna Madre systems. The proposed regulation changes would impact the Matagorda Bay, San Antonio Bay, Corpus Christi Bay, and the upper and lower Laguna Madre systems. The deadline to comment on the proposed changes is Wednesday, January 26th. A link to comment is available at the bottom of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. It says public comment. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission is expected to vote on the proposal January 27th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We wrapped up the week on a lower note in the cattle market on Friday. We also saw a drop in both cotton and wheat prices. We'll update all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market wrapped up the week on a lower note Friday. We finished in the red in both live and feeder cattle futures. February live cattle down 40 cents, 137.92. The April down $1.07, 142.10. While June live cattle were down $1.07, closing at 137.30. Same thing on the feeder market. January feeder cattle down 90 cents at 160.27. March down 165, 163.30, while the April contract was down $1.40 to close at 168.12. Cash fed cattle trade ended up a dollar to a dollar fifty higher for the week, with most of our sales seen at 137 here in the South. Up north, we saw live sales as high as 139, but most of their cattle sold at 137 also. Boxed beef was mixed on Friday with choice down 26 cents, 292.72. Select up 49 at 282.67. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's head down and cross the Atascosa River. Talk to Jim Wheeler at Atascosa Livestock Exchange Pleasanton. Jim, how did your sale go this week? The market was good. Ended up with 547 head. We have a little weather coming in for the next couple of days, so I don't know how good it's going to be next week. It was sure all right yesterday. Well, we got that one under our belt. Let's walk the pins. 547 head, 249 were steers, 199 heifers, 79 cows, and 13 bulls. 
steer side, two to three weights, a dollar fifty to a dollar ninety. Heifers were a dollar thirty to a dollar sixty-five. Then four weight steers, a dollar sixty to a dollar ninety. Heifers were a dollar twenty-five to a dollar fifty-eight. Four to five weight steers, a dollar forty-five to a dollar eighty-five. Heifers were a dollar twenty to a dollar fifty. Five six weight steers, a dollar thirty to a dollar seventy. Heifers were a dollar ten to a dollar forty-four. Six seven weight steers, a dollar twenty to a dollar fifty-six. Heifers were a dollar to a dollar thirty. Seven eight weight steers, a dollar ten to a dollar forty. Heifers were ninety to a dollar fifteen. Eight to nine weight steers, ninety to a dollar twenty-five, and the heifers were eighty to a dollar five yesterday. What they have on the cows? One twenty-eight this week. Best packer cow brought seventy-seven and a half. Best bull brought ninety-eight bucks. Sold bred cows anywhere from four fifty to eleven hundred. Had one little corny empty pair. She brought five hundred bucks. Now, I know we have some weather coming in, or the potential thereof that might affect the numbers we can draw next week. But if if it's a no show on the weather, what do you think? I imagine we'll have five hundred again plus. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jim Wheeler, for Tuesday sale in Plendon. Reach us at 830-569-2516. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in deep south Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher on Friday. February hogs up $1.2780620. April hogs up 95 cents to close at 9495. Class three milk was mixed. January milk up four cents at twenty twenty nine a hundred weight, while February milk was down twenty eight, closing at twenty fifty eight a hundred. The outside markets weighed heavily on the cotton trade on Friday. A falling Dow Jones, along with weaker energy and metals markets, all weighing on cotton prices. March cotton down two hundred twelve points to close at one twenty seventy five. October cotton down 68 at 104.09, while December was down 16 points, closing at 98.85 cents. The corn market continues to get support from a dry weather forecast for South America. That helped us to close higher on Friday. March corn up five and a quarter, six sixteen and a quarter. New crop September corn up two and a quarter, five seventy eight and a half. The wheat market finished lower on both hard and soft wheat on Friday. July Kansas City wheat down three cents, seven ninety-eight and a half. July Chicago wheat down seven at seven seventy-four and a quarter. In the energy markets, February natural gas was up fourteen cents, three ninety-four. March crude oil down ninety-one at eighty-four sixty-four a barrel. The financial markets lower Friday afternoon. The Dow down three hundred ninety-nine points. 34,315. The NASDAQ down 346 at 13,807. The S&P down 77 points at 4,404. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.